Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're back with the season nine wrap-up uh, feedback podcast. We're going to be talking about whatever the audience wants us to talk about, whatever they wrote in about today. Uh, but first, I thought we could talk a little bit about our plans for season 10, um, because as you know, we're a season behind. Uh, season 11 is going to be from actually season 10 is still running uh say, amc still is, is a season behind as well yeah, they sure are <laughs> uh and they're creating seasons to go between seasons i i don't even know it's a mess yeah. of a universe right now uh but we're gonna do our best to get caught up i think before uh season 11 starts airing so that we can cover that in real time yeah 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 how are we gonna um well so what i've heard is this weekend um, which is probably okay. The weekend of October 4th, I should say, cause we're recording this week out in advance. Uh, they are dropping the season finale of season 10. Okay. Then I've also heard that they're going to have six new episodes that's released. I think this, this year or maybe early next year mm-hmm. that no one really knows what they're about. But they're a continuation of the season 10 plot, and there's some speculation that they're essentially assembled from uh, cutting room floor stuff from season 10. I don't, I don't believe that. I don't see how you could possibly come up with something interesting, because you're going to have the finale and then six bonus episodes that are just like... like see, that's your problem, is wh- you, you think they have to come up with something interesting. They don't. It's The Walking Dead. They can just come up with a governor arc. They can just come up with an alpha arc, right? Like six episodes of alpha and beta roaming from uh, wherever the hell they are each other's asses with branches and stuff because that's like it's not like there's unless there's entire arcs cut on the cutting room floor number one it's all going to be stuff that took place in the past and number two it's going to be what the the shit that didn't make the cut like you know it's I just don't understand how you could possibly do something like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, we talked about that. But they don't before, have any. It's Yeah, they're just starting the filming, so they can't have any new footage. So I, I, that'll be interesting. Um, but obviously, we're behind. We can't just jump in the coverage with that. That'd be hilarious. It'd be pretty funny to do as a as a Alan. Maybe we get Alan Joe to do it. But I think what we're going to do is because we got a pretty busy fall and winter coming up. You know, uh, Mandalorian's coming back. Uh, we're going to be covering that. Um uh, we just got wrapped up with the boys. Fargo is just starting. Um, there's a bunch. I, we're hoping that maybe we'll hear something about the expanse later this year. Um, so I don't want to start a potentially 20 episode season of something. But I think the plan is because they're going to start shooting season 11 of The Walking Dead. Of course, Walking Dead has now been canceled. This is the final season. It's going to be a 24 episode old school network uh, season of television, half a year's worth of Walking Dead, and they're gonna Man. be, they're gonna be filming it. And I, I so so our our idea is to do season ten in late winter or early spring. So that could be like in February, uh, or April, like starting it. And then the idea is that we would be caught up by next October, which is presumably when they'll release season eleven of The Walking Dead. But who knows? Like they might go release uh, they might have the first eight episodes ready for by june and then the next eight episodes for october and then they'll finish things up in february um 
maybe that's what they're planning on doing. In which case, I don't know when the fuck we'd ever get caught up. It sounds like we'd always just be doing it in arrears. Yeah. But um, yeah, our plan is to come back and do season 10 starting late winter, early spring of 2021. And we will just keep our eye on what the hell AMC is doing over on their side. There's, you know, ton, tons of um, information is dribbling out about the new projects. So there's a couple emails at the end of this show that we have to talk about that. Um, but but yeah. Um, and then we'll take it from there. Like, uh, I've heard that after The Walking Dead concludes, there's a spinoff series contemplated with Carol and Daryl. That sounds like a hell of a lot of fun. Walking um, Dead is like a Hydra. You cut off one of its uh, one of the series heads and like a movie series and another prequel series and a Morgan series all spin off of it. It's like a zombie. You kill one, but turns out they bit three bit three of your comrades in the bo- right. the barracks, and now you've got twelve. So it's uh it's it's a real it's a real issue. But that's that's our plan. Um, we I liked I really like season nine. Mm-hmm. Um. I thought season nine in the beginning was a little kind of shaky and there's a, still a lot of like the Gimple era stuff hanging over their heads. But once they went to the flash forward um, with rare exception, the show was entertaining and did right by most of the characters um, and has kind of like, you know, like uh, has kind of renewed my enthusiasm for the series. Uh, but we'll be talking about that later on because maybe we're being too easy on it. Do you have any other thoughts on our coverage future of The Walking Dead? Um, I mean, I guess I would recommend everyone stay tuned on Twitter at Bald Move uh, or the the front page of Bald Move, baldmove.com, or just stay subscribed to Bald Move Pulp or mm-hmm. The Watching Dead because that's that's you know we've that that's where you'll hear things for sure. Um, Since the dawn of time, we've been putting clothes on our back that identify us with our people, our group, our tribe. And why Bald Move might be one of the smallest, weirdest tribes out there, transcending all concepts of border, class, culture, and creed, we still have respect for the old ways. At support.baldmove.com, you can get t-shirts, hats, mugs, and more. We have something for every one of our podcasts, or just wear the four pips of the Bald Move logo with pride. Bald Move merch beats running around naked, and they make a great gift for the Bald Move fan in your life. Join our tribe. Head over to support.baldmove.com and click on merch to start shopping. Mission podcasts are an awesome feature here at Bald Move that allows you, the individual listener, to decide what we talk about for a single podcast. The community loves it because it often leads to fun fan favorite films and TV shows that we've overlooked getting the coverage they deserve. And we love it because we're constantly exposed to great stuff that's not even on our radar. The way it works is simple. You go to support.baldmove.com and you click on commissions. Then you pay the flat rate for the commission and tell us what two-ish hours of content you'd like us to make podcast on. Then we'll contact you for details, advanced feedback, and any dedications you'd like to make. Then we watch the thing, discuss the thing, turn it into a podcast, and pump it right into your ears. We get consistently great feedback on how much our commissioners love their podcast and they make great gifts for the dedicated Bald Move fan in your life. And who knows, that dedicated fan could even be you. Treat yourself. Check out support.baldmove.com for more info.
let's move on to the feedback section. Of course, these are people that sent in feedback messages to watchingdead at baldmove.com. Uh, we got a bunch. It's, we got like eight episodes worth. Uh, so this is going to be a trip down memory lane um, as we consider all the feedback we've gotten uh, over the last half season. First up, Jason. Just listen to your latest episode, and I have a little for your information for you. Aaron was talking about the possibility of reading the comics again someday, but is not looking forward to paying the hefty price for a compendium. I recommend that you check out your local library. I was able to check out all the books and catch up on the comics. Just an idea to save a few bucks. That's a great suggestion. I... Um, I don't use my our library. We have a fantastic library system here in Cincinnati. Cecily's using it all the time, checking out ebooks left, right, and center. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to get better at doing that. Um, because you're right, that should be my first thing, like my my first my first go to. So, and yeah. I know that we even my local neighborhood branch had an impressive collection of comic books. Uh, when I first moved here, I got a library card. I was very excited. I've never been. I've never had access to a metropolitan library system before. I'd always lived out in the sticks. And yeah, the I suburbs, guess that's true. Right? Um, I never was like lucky enough to have an Indianapolis uh, public library card. So like, I was excited, and I went and I like, checked out a bunch of comics and graphic novels and some deep, like a bunch of different shit. And I did that two or three times, and then I stopped. And it's a damn shame. So thanks Audio for the suggestion. Uh, Audio, yeah, yeah. I have a, a pretty good. Uh, that's where I get. 90% of my audiobooks now as a library. Yeah. And I know like I, I need to have Cecily help me because she says it's easy, but I've I've yet to figure it out. But you can like hook your Kindle up to it to where it's just literally like you put your name on a list and if if they if they got the book, it's downloaded automatically through your device. And yep. if you don't, then it puts you on the waiting list and it's pretty slick. So uh that's a great suggestion. Thank you. Moving on to Lauren H. Seeing your show pop up on my feed has been one of the few things to come out of quarantine. Uh, <laughs> I think there's a word left out of there, but I, I'll I'll content myself. This is one of the few things that came out of the quarantine. Yeah, uh, I appreciate the praise. <laughs> Just want to throw out there that the actor who plays Henry, I did not know this. Uh, Carol and King Ezekiel's adopted son is the real life older brother of the actor who played young Henry pre time jump. Both the boys are real life brothers. You're kidding. Wait, wait, like, and it works so well that I just thought, like, I just assumed that they were doing uh, kind of like what they did the Isaac Hempstead right on Game of Thrones, where they were making, dolling him up to hide the fact that he's gone through puberty. And then when they had the time jump, it's like, oh, shit, we can stop doing all that. I feel stop. like a weight has been lifted off my shoulders. There, there, there are things that just like, you know, I, I hear and I find out that, that like stick with me. And I'm like, that doesn't, that's mm-hmm. not quite right. And then years later, I'll learn like, a new fact that puts it all in perspective that just happened with Henry right now. Yeah. It's, it's a great idea. Cause like I, I, it, it was an entirely immersive, like I did not question it. Like I thought it was the same dude. They just stopped. I just figured they're digging a whole six inches and having him stand, <laughs> you know, beside like Rick and King Ezekiel and all that kind of stuff. And they just stopped doing all that shit. But no, they just re- swapped him out. The older brother, hmm. Did you know that both of them are the real-life brother to the actor who played Sophia in seasons one and two? All right, nepotism. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> you swap out uh, uh, one actor for their counterpart, but, but now you're casting... How many people are going to cast from the same family here, huh? Can we get their parents in there? I don't know. I don't know. Do they have any it's, dogs? Uh, wonder... Do they have any pets? I bet Daryl's dog is their dog, isn't it? I wonder, because this is Madison Lentz, uh, the name of the actor we're talking about, who we got to meet. Um and one of the first watch uh, uh-huh. uh Walking Dead cons or what was it the Walker Stalker con yeah uh 
I don't know what she's done since, and I wonder how it sits with her that her brothers had a bigger Walking Dead career than she did. <laughs> since she got bit and barned in season two, and uh, Henry has been, like, what, since season five? Wasn't that when Morgan took him on as a project, season six, at yeah, least? Yeah, I guess he's gotten a few seasons. So... Uh, maybe it's actually maybe it's a con- contractual obligation. They can only do a season and a half each child. Each because, yeah, yeah like you got young Henry, and then the t- he got time jumped, and then old Henry got piked. Yeah. So, damn shame, damn shame. But no, that 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 blew my mind. Uh, thanks for dropping an email, Lauren. She concludes, glad you're all back, even if it's just for the hopefully short pandemic shutdown. No, no, we're going to go back. We're going to see this thing. I can't promise live coverage because I don't know. I, you know, I'll never underestimate AMC's ability to rush something and be slipshod. Uh, if season 11 comes out in October of 2021, I'm pretty sure we'll be caught up. If not, we'll just, and assuming that season 10 is not a train wreck, we'll, uh, we'll continue, continue on. The temptation to finish it out with 11 seasons and you'll get one season to go is going to be huge. Mm-hmm. Like, that I mean that would well I don't know if you consider Breaking Bad and and Better Call Saul as one continuous universe of podcast but like if not especially with the 16 episode seasons they started with and there is it'd be by far the the season the show the universe we have the most coverage of you know Fear the Walking Dead we did that for a season we did a season maybe two did we do two seasons of that Uh, I can't remember um, I remember I watched a, quite a bit of season two, yeah. but I don't know if we actually podcast it. Um, Mike in St. Louis, been loving the return of the watching dead. Thanks for bringing back to the, uh, bringing me back to the show. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> Your takes are just uh, still as funny and fair as before the resignation. I appreciate that. That's good. But I also want to see if I could plug a vote for an expanse episode by episode pod during Coronaville might be a good way to corral the bald move expanse virgins to a new show for them and show Amazon. It's worth continuing. Uh, anyway, hope yours and yours are staying uh, healthy. Thank you. Uh, we really want to do episode by episode coverage of season five of the expanse. And the only way that won't happen is if they drop the whole fucking season on Christmas, the way they did last year. Yeah. And even if it did, I would be inclined to like, you know, try to get those episode by episode coverage out in like January and February before things got crazy because I fucking love this show and way more people should be watching it. Like I, this show should be Game of Thrones big in my opinion. Oh yeah, it's Game of Thrones uh early seasons quality certainly. Um I think Mike though is is saying we should go back and do season 4 since we missed that. Oh. Which I would I would definitely be open to. Um, there yeah. are a ton of episodes in that season. You know, it's what eight, ten. It's Was shorter it? I think than it's a 10. typical season. So, uh, uh, season four had. I'd be open to episodes, it if, yeah. if we get through like Fargo and the boys, and there isn't much on. Yeah, if it's just Mandalor, if it's just Mandalorian and us from like you know late November to the you know through the new year, I, that sounds like a good idea. But also, yeah. we got a lot of Christmas stuff to prepare for too. <laughs> True. Um, Hannah, I noticed while watching episode 909 during Jesus' burial scene, three characters were highlighted hammering nails into his coffin. I know you two seem interested in the development of new traditions or religious rituals of the zombie world, as am I. I was wondering while viewing this if it's a concern about not having the body escape from the tomb after death. This would seem more interesting to me if our survivors began doing this from the beginning before they fully understood the walkers. For example, they believed the blow to the head would kill a walker for good, but weren't positive enough, so nails in the coffin would be the extra 
safe extra step. Um, a darker alternative to the bell on a gravestone tied to a finger. Uh, that those that that was like popular in the late nineteenth, early twentieth centuries. People being afraid of buried alive. However, a new ritual could be made with uh, coming up with the new thread of the evolved walkers, aka the whispers, that they have yet to learn uh, little to nothing about. I'd love to hear your opinion. I do am very interested in like the cultural aspects of how undeath would affect burial customs. Um, I took the I, I did notice that I don't know if I commented it on the the podcast, but like I think it was more of like every it's kind of like the this is the equivalent of like pall bearing or throwing dirt on a casket. Um, that that like the, the everyone in the community that was important to this person gets a nail in a nail to the coffin because I don't think it has anything to do with like trying to contain a zombie, right? I, I don't um, think so. Yeah, you just destroy that. I I remember way back when, like I I thought like it would be cool if there was some kind of ritual shooting in the head or stabbing, and they kind of did that where it's like you know the person closest to the person should be the one that like scrambles their brains. You know, like Carl did that. Uh, I believe Sasha did that with her brother, didn't she? Like there was like this kind of like oh who's going to be the one that like after they die sticks their head so they don't come back. Um, yeah. And I'd like to see that more like codified, like maybe the whole community. That'd be kind of grisly, though, right? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking, like mutilate the body. I don't, I don't know if people really want to do that to their uh, loved ones. But yeah. I, I wonder if, if you had like an undertaker who uh, would like remove all the teeth, right? Kind of neuter the zombie, the, the potential future zombie. Hmm. Uh, and then like what? That. Have a showing where the zombies is sitting there groaning and writhing, and but it can't oh, do anything. Oh, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kill the thing, but also remove the teeth just in case. Like instead of oh, the, I see the head shooting. Yeah, as, a, as another, and everyone gets a tooth. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you make a necklace. You can see how many people you can see how many people you lose by how many molars you got in a necklace. Uh, yeah, and it's I mean, a point they, of pride. Like everyone who's a loved one comes by with a pair of pliers, rips out a tooth, and if you can get right. if you got enough loved ones that all of your teeth are gone. You win. You win a prize. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and this sounds all like macabre, but on the other hand, you know, you look around the world. You look at religious relics, like people going around with like finger bones of saints in little glass reliquaries that they wear around their neck or have shrines to. Or you've seen those churches that are entirely built out of femurs and skulls and shit like that. Like, I mean, human history has got some weird, weird shit of what they did with like grave and funerary customs. I mean, so we, we I, I wish they would show up. that. It, we make people up, uh, stick ghastly, them in a suit, yeah. open a coffin, and let a bunch of people walk by and look at a dead person. Like that's yeah, kiss them on the cheek, give them a hug. It's a little weird. Uh, it. I've always thought the idea of embalming and posing a corpse to make it look lifelike uh, is like I'd much preferred. In, uh, cremation and just a nice headshot of me. Go for you know? it. Yeah. Burn me up. Um, let's see. Because in the early goings of The Walking Dead, like it burying people was like a luxury. Like, you know, the idea you'd, you'd get a pine box and like nail them in, yeah. you know, like they were just like digging a hole and burying you if you were lucky, you know, if, if they had the time to do so. If they didn't have to um, flee the scene when you were killed. Right. Right. Moving on to Michael P. Want to chime in on the Lydia song from episode 910 Omega. I'm 40 and I've known the song my whole life, not from watching the Marx Brothers movies, but because it was on the Muppet Show and at least one of the Muppet Show albums. 
so it's possible Lydia's parents knew that song from being Muppets fans rather than Marx Brothers fans. Okay. But the real reason I'm writing in is to remind or inform you that you both have definitely heard the song before. It's the ringtone that Todd uses for Lydia in the last episode of Breaking Bad. Seriously? And they helpfully include a link, uh, you know, like Walter White stumbles over, p- pulls the phone out of his pocket, and then says some sick shit to Lydia. You know, but yeah, he's is... got Lydia the tattooed lady. That's so, that's so villain. Like, that's exactly mm-hmm. his kind of music. Yeah, yeah. And so on the nose, it's something Todd, I was like, you know... Uh, so, so he concludes, it's if a fine, upstanding millennial like Todd knows this delightful ditty, it's not surprising that Alpha and her hubby would, too. I mean, Fair. I want to. my head canon for this is that Todd just is this literal. Like, he's sweet on Lydia, Google Lydia song, find the first thing, and then download it, and then that's, you know, yeah. like, like, I don't know. Is Todd a Muppets fan? <laughs> Todd, Todd's not is a fan Todd, of anything. I don't, I don't hmm. think Todd... Todd's not a pop culture guy. Is Todd a real person or is he just a, you know, because he is, he's a weirdo. He's a fucking weirdo. I'm trying to think, we we got a glimpse into his life uh, in uh, El Camino. El Camino, yeah. Um, but I can't remember what he was into. He was into having a sick ass apartment that had the spider that he stole from the kid he killed. I remember uh, the spider. But like, it's very, it, it kind of looked like a, he reminded me of like what a like a an auto mechanic, like a young auto mechanic, would set their their apartment up to look like if they got you know because like they got their first good paying job and like you know what what is a twenty something year old dude think is cool, you know? Renovate his New anyway. Mexico apartment. Yeah, yeah. JML, hey guys, enjoying your coverage as usual, but wanted to point out a few things real quick. Did you notice that when uh, Negan escaped? that the place where he threw up uh, that river water was the same place that Glenn and Abraham were beat to death. This was sent in by numerous people. JML is the first one. But apparently, yeah, that's an intentional, like he had poisoned the ground with their blood, and this is kind of like uh, Abraham and Glenn's revenge, like a Montezuma's revenge kind of thing um, no. that they were hinting at, which I didn't, I didn't catch, but it's a very cool detail. Mm-hmm. It's the same framing as when Mag- Maggie and Rick carry Glenn's body after Negan and his crew leaves in the previous season. Uh, you guys also missed that in the episode where Lydia found the yo-yo. We hypothesized all season like what she's using that yo-yo for. Uh-huh. Apparently, that's where she got the string to tie the little hilltop medallion around her neck to make it into the necklace. She, and that's wow. She, she, she traded flashed a yo-yo for a necklace. <laughs> no well, way, I mean, I don't know. If I is if I remember my uh, showbiz pizza conversion rate, I think you. you I think which would be more expensive, a yo-yo or a necklace? Uh, it depends on what the necklace is made of. If if it's a metal this, necklace, that might be more expensive. If it's a plastic necklace, which ninety percent of them were. It's cheap. Sure. And what kind of yo-yo? Are we talking just a regular old? Is it one know, of the small uh, ones like those? Oh God, I yeah, that yeah, don't like work one of those at all. Donut. Yeah. It was like, like mini donut ones. It's like a real fucking classic dunk. Does it light up? You know, that that could be 30, 40,000 tickets worth there. That's a, that's a premium right. yo-yo. You wouldn't trade that for a necklace. But uh, no, thanks for pointing that, that stuff out. That's a uh, really cool, really cool detail. Erica. Um, actually, and she pushes up her glasses, the dog that uh, Daryl has that's, that's called Dog isn't a German Shepherd, but a Belgian Malinois. 
Malinois. Um, we have one, and they can absolutely jump up and land on something five to six foot high. The email, this, the genesis of this email is us talking about how Dog got thrown onto some stuntman. But apparently they can just jump hella high. Uh, okay. I believe it. Um, they're amazing animals. Okay, Malinois, snobbery sesh over. They do. Like, she, she uh, uh, attached a photo of their dogs. Very cute. It does look like a, um, it looks like a color, like a palette shifted German Shepherd, though. Like, you know, like it's uh, the boss version of a German Shepherd, just has slightly darker colorations. Mm-hmm. Um, Dylan B., in episode 914, Scars, you talked about how weird it was that Lydia was getting her gross fingers in Henry's fresh wound. <laughs> Let me tell you, it was way weirder in the comic books. Hmm. Now, you know, of course, Carl wasn't killed in the comics like he was in the show. So it was actually him playing the role that Henry was trying to get some info out of her and in the process falling for Lydia. Apparently, all of Henry's plot this season was Carl's plot in the comic books. Okay. Um, except for the Pike part at the end, apparently uh, you also remember Carl lost an eye, right? Well, in the comics, Lydia and Carl are having a little moment together and Lydia convinces Carl to remove his eye patch because she wants to see him. And at the time he was still embarrassed about how gross his shot out. eye was when he does, he's embarrassed and says, I know it's gross to Carl's surprise. She leans in and says, I think it's sexy and licks his eye uh, socket, Jim. Ugh. God. And they go from eye sock- socket frenching to getting it on. Jesus Christ. Uh, what's, what's her <laughs> idea of sex then? I don't I don't even want to know. I don't want to know where so that now, addition ends up. So now her digging her eye her fingers into that, that wound, it, it I do feel like it's an homage to that and it makes sense, but holy yeah. shit. What the fuck? Um Dylan concludes with, anyway, I'm loving your uh, coverage of season nine. It got me to start watching again and actually enjoy it after a few years off. Well, you're welcome, Dylan, and thank you for going along the journey with us. Uh, Jared says, hey, guys, I love your podcast. In the past episode, you mentioned how the source music isn't always the best, which reminded me of a meme I made that r slash Walking Dead took down. What? This is unjust. Hope you get a kick out of it. So this this meme format is... um, uh, Pam from the office. She's being shown two pictures by corporate, and uh, it's the whole corporate needs to find the difference between these these two pictures. And she says they're the same picture, and he's photoshopped it to where the the the, the corporate is holding up the Walking Dead original soundtrack and coffee shop essentials. <laughs> hmm. And uh, I can't tell the difference. It is uh, I don't know. Uh, Bear McCreary. Sometimes he does he does the Lord's work, but uh, all the license shit, all the stuff that they license is is a waste on this show, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, I, I have very few problems with Bear McCreary's soundtrack, uh, his score. It's it's when they go for the license stuff. Sometimes it works, like uh, the the song Easy Street that Daryl's tortured with, I thought worked really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The shit they tried to pull in this season a couple of times did not work for me at all. Well, they spent the money on the writing, and they left the money on the table for the li- the 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 song Good. licensing, which Good, fair actually. enough. Yeah. Uh, a fellow named Odd writes in to say, "I love your reprisal of The Walking Dead, but in no way can I get behind the episode of Scars. A total out of left field from childhood friend that just happens to jump state over state like Michonne and run to each other. Can't do it. Alder takes I'm down for, but curious of your Walking Dead hate meter. Um." Maybe this is as good as opportunity. Now, nah, there's a there's a little bit more critical one. Um, I so 
I'm not I'm not mad at people for noping out of things that are too quinky dinky, a little a little too much of a coincidence. I infamously have done so myself in a couple of, of, of television series. Yeah. On the other hand, weird coincidences do happen all the time. And while it's unlikely that that would happen, the fact if you're talking about entirety of North America and, you know, in a situation where you're going to have probably mass migration because so many people are dead and everyone's looking for supplies and, you know, it makes sense that you're going to follow certain highways. And, you know, like, I think that and since the episode leans so heavily into like, oh, wow, this is an amazing coincidence. In fact, that's kind of like part of the plot. Like, it didn't bother me. But um, look, I'm not going to try and defend it at all. Uh, I think. It, it, when it comes to this kind of stuff, it's really down to the day that I watch it. How am I feeling that day? Am I inclined to give the show a little more slack? Am I inclined not to? Um, it's it's something that, yeah, it's a huge coincidence, an enormous coincidence. Uh, and you're either going to hate it or love it. And uh, I didn't I didn't love it. I didn't hate it, um, you know, but I, I'm not I'm not up in arms about it. Uh, Tim B. Great coverage of the back half so far, and very cool to see how much you're enjoying it. Surprising, actually. I was starting to get a, a bit impatient myself when I got to episode 14. Uh, but I'm writing about something you mentioned a couple episodes ago in relation to having successful B-tier characters replace A-tier characters who depart. I'd actually like to challenge you on this two-part concept. Okay, this is kind of involved, but bear with me. I believe that most shows, particularly dramas with large ensemble casts, have four character tiers, not counting extras and one-offs. Jesus. Tier one. Tier one includes your unquestionable stars, Jack, Kate, and Locke on Lost, the Elite Eight on Game of Thrones, and of course, Rick Carroll, Daryl, and Michonne on this show. Tier two includes those credited in the main cast uh, who would never be considered a top player, though, such as Sun, Jin, Claire... I'm presuming those are lost characters. Mm-hmm. Littlefinger and Varys. Whoa. Charlie. I guess lost. that's fair. I guess that's fair. And on this show, Rosita, Gabriel, and Tara. Tier 2 includes tomorrow's Tier 2 characters. Characters too new to be very invested in, but who come with a neon sign saying they'll be future main characters. It's how Ben and Desmond started out on Lost, how Brienne and Egret started out on Thrones, and how the fucking new guys have been introduced in this show. Also, Sadiq last season. They beat us over the head to make sure we knew to pay attention to Sadiq. Tier 3 is also where Tier 4 briefly gets upgraded 20 minutes before they die. Tier 4 includes I, characters. Yeah. Okay. I feel like the, the the trouble comes when you try and jump a tier tier 3, tier 4 character up to tier 1 on the episode they die. Or you give yeah. them like this whole arc and you're trying to do everything with them in a single episode and then you murder them. Uh, tier 4 includes characters who have a name, speak lines, and show up across multiple seasons but have absolutely nothing distinguishing them from anyone else except the weapon they carry or the way they wear their hair. I'm not talking about extras. Those roles the writers actually bothered to cast and then never did anything with. Lost had tons of them, but Thrones had only a handful. But The Walking Dead takes the fucking cake. Cal, Scott, Diane, Nabila, Negan's wives, DJ, Laura... I only recognize one, Nabila. That's that's Jerry's wife because I made a point to look it yeah. up, and because I'm like, oh, Jerry's got a really cute wife and kids. I should probably bother to learn their names. I didn't learn the names of the kids. Didn't learn the name of his wife. Um, I don't. I know you don't know who the fuck these people are, but take it for my word for it. They've been showing up to work for a long time with absolutely nothing to do. 
I've spent more time thinking about how often these four tiers appear on shows and have three questions I'd love to hear you weigh in on. One, is there some sort of immutable law of writers or in the Screen Actors Guild which says that once you've stood in the background holding a crossbow saying yes, sir, for five episodes, that you're never allowed to graduate beyond that except for your own death episode? If not, why do we almost never fucking see it? How hard does competent bow girl, Diane, need to work to get a fucking character arc? I think all that stuff's um, determined at the time of hiring, honestly. Like, I, I feel like it's rare to jump tiers. Um, you're kind of hired in as the character that they know they want um, because you have a look or you got a presence about you or something. And yeah, I mean, this is probably the acting struggle, right? Like people who are tier four actors trying to get to the next tier is almost impossible. You got to just find the right role. Right. And you can bust your ass all you want, but you're not going to get out of that tier on this show. Now there are rare exceptions and that's Uh kind of like, uh, you know, the the millionaires and billionaires that make it rich to like, you know, keep us all of us working stiffs on the treadmill. Um, Aaron Paul, Breaking Bad, who's brought on that show to die in season one, I believe. Yeah. And he was saved by the writer's strike shutdown. Uh, Villigan and the gang were so impressed by what they're getting out of him that they took that time to kind of rewrite things and take it into an entirely different direction. And, you know, that young man's career was changed forever. Um, it's fucking wild to think that we could be talking about Jesse Pinkman as a tier three character, but that's what he was brought in to be. Yeah. Um, so, or maybe I guess it'd be a tier two. That's just a sacrificial tier two. Um, so it, it does happen every once in a while, but, but not, not much, not much. Yeah. Can you think of any shows that took extremely minor characters from early seasons and graduated them to major characters later on? The only two live action shows I can think of that did this well are Sopranos and Oz. Literally ever and only these two. Um, does does O'Brien count? Because he was always a minor, <sighs> friendly face on the next generation, but then he got to main character status in Deep Space Nine. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I count him. Maybe, maybe. I mean, like, every once in a while, sometimes they impress and and like they become a fan favorite. They write more material, but it's just it's just really rare because I think Jim's right. You're hired for a particular purpose. The writers have in mind for you, and then you serve that purpose, and then you no longer are on the show. So I, I think it comes down to that. Do you think of Game of Thrones? The third point. Do you think of Game of Thrones had actually bothered to invest in tier four characters that the later seasons would have been better? After the bloodbath of season six, we had one wilding, one unsullied, one relevant person in Highgarden, basically zero Dothraki, no one in Dorne, one Night's Watch brother. Uh, do writers not know that more recognizable characters in a group make for a better show and also give fans more to love? I mean, even in the end, it's not like Game of Thrones cupboard was fucking bare. No. I just think they ran out of plot and those boys are bad at generating fresh plot. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what you want to do at the end of a show, right, is narrow it down. And they did that by bringing mm-hmm. all of the characters that we loved from, you know, you know the tier one characters from all these disparate groups together. And that could have worked. Uh, it just, you know, like you said, they didn't have the plot to pull it off. Uh, okay. Interesting tier four thing. I think, it, like, he'll have some final thoughts towards the end of the mailbag where this will revisit this concept. But uh, appreciate the... Uh, appreciate the uh, I don't know. The the tier framework might be something we can use in future podcasts. Thanks, Tim. Moving on to Sam. In Season 9, Episode 14, the one with all the Michonne flashbacks and child murder. This scars. This got the single most feedback from any of any episode that we did. Uh, there was a lot of discussion on the mental effects of the events on Michonne 
of course, since she was the focus uh, and the one most prominently displaying displayed killing children and whatnot. That said, one thing that stuck out to me that you guys didn't talk about was that Daryl's weapons were shown blatantly soaked in blood in the scenes where he's meeting Michonne outside of the place where they were held. Do we believe that Daryl has it in him to kill a bunch of kids? Was it a production error? It distracted me a ton in the scene since it wasn't addressed in the show at all. I mean, maybe those are, maybe that's zombie blood. Could be zombie blood. I feel like if they wanted us to know that Daryl had killed a bunch of kids, they would have shown Daryl killing a bunch of kids. Yeah, and there were also some older teenagers that were, (laughs) like, like they deserved it. Well, I mean, it's like it's it's different killing uh, the hilltop punks versus Judith, right? You oh, know? for sure. Like, yeah. uh, and they were like in the hilltop punk age range. And I know that, like, I think we we mentioned how it was probably good that they just yada yada through the escape. Like, you just you know you just have Daryl like snapping some dude's neck, and then like they're just magically out of their handcuffs and whatnot. Mm-hmm. It could also be that he fought some of those you know older tougher kids. Um, and didn't do the like fucking child's crusade, like, one person child's crusade with with Michonne. But I don't know because I I remember you and I talking about that. Like I didn't think that Daryl had it in him to kill little kids. Yeah. Like I just think that um, maybe I'm maybe I'm fooling myself, but I just didn't think that he would be able to do it. He he doesn't value his own life that much. Yeah, and I don't know that Michonne did either, but she valued uh, the life of Judith. Judith, exactly, yeah. exactly. And I, I guess that's the key, is Daryl might have done it if he was protecting someone else, yeah. like, of that vulnerable, like, like Judith or RJ, um, the memory of his dead friend or who he thinks is dead. But mm-hmm. yeah, just, like, just, and then you're right, Michonne didn't do it out of the, out of the, the joy of her heart. She did it because <laughs> she had to, didn't want to, so. Sure, sure. Um... Sam continues or wraps up. Anyway, I absolutely love the podcast. I'm glad you guys restarted season nine and it convinced me to try to get back in the show because it's been an incredible fun season. Turns out I shouldn't have listened to my dad all along when he insisted, or I should have listened to my dad all along when he insisted it got good again. <laughs> I was just as skeptical, man. Yeah. Uh, I was just as skeptical of everybody because I remember the emails trickling in. You guys, oh, you should, you should come back as the half season is so much better and be like, yeah, yeah, right. Look at these walking like dead my- apologists. It's like when my brother used to fucking recommend me comedies. You gotta see Bubble Boy, man. It's fucking hilarious. It's <laughs> like, get the sh- Yeah, get the fuck out of here. Uh, <laughs> Evan, you got terrible taste in comedies. Nick says, G'day, lads. Uh, he's from Australia, see? Just quickly, awesome effort covering this uh, season of The Walking Dead in this episode. You have helped me get through the lockdown here in Australia. All your content is good, but this, the Walking Dead stuff is just epic. Thanks. What is the reason? Yeah, thank you very much. What is the reason why in The Walking Dead they can show a cartoon like Baby Huey in the cinema, but all zombie films are non-existent? It's just declared zombies never existed, even in fiction in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, I that's literally true. I don't think they've ever come out and said it, but like in the what was it like? There was like a zombie Bible that Darabont yeah. wrote. You know more about this than I do. What was the the deal? Yeah, I mean, before season one uh, aired, yeah, when they were writing that, they came up with you know the rules of of the Walking Dead, and I'm sure they've they've thrown that in the garbage uh, since then. But sure, yeah, one of those things was uh, about the universe that zombies don't exist as a concept in that universe. Mm-hmm. Um, no one's seen Night of the Living Dead. Uh, you know, they, they just 
I don't know. It's the one like twist on our our actual world that they put into the right. show. You presumably have like mummies, Frankenstein, Dracula, but the concept of like an undead corpse rising and eating flesh and brains, this that's 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 the one difference in the universe. Um, I guess the question is why did they do that's, that? That's the, isn't that like yeah, yeah, okay, go ahead and answer that. Yeah, like um in my opinion, it's like a fourth wall breaking kind of thing because that sets a tone, right? Like if if everybody who sees one of these things is like, haha, Romero, look at this. It sets a tone for the whole thing, right? And it and right. Walking Dead when it started was supposed to be very fucking serious. Um, mm-hmm. It's gotten you know ridiculous at times, but when it started, it was supposed to be serious. And I think if you have that stuff where you're like winking at the camera and you know every character is already familiar with the concept, nobody's like scared of things the way they should be, kind mm. of stuff. I, it it changes the tone of the show. Isn't it also like um, zombie history that like most television shows or I'm sorry, movies that depict like this is a Romero tradition that he never called them zombies either. Or am I mistake? Am I uh, misremembering that? This no, is kind th- of like an homage I think that's true. thing. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's kind of something they're paying forward. Mm-hmm. Um, he also says what, or who do you think would rule in this zombie world? If it was between the governor, Shane, Negan and alpha, all existing at once. Who's the most badass? Uh, man, the governor had a good setup at Woodbury, but he's maybe a little too crazy for his own good. I feel like it's Negan. Really, I was yeah. thinking Shane. Uh, is Shane? Could Shane be taken down by anyone but Rick? Huh. If Shane was given time uh, and access to a bunch of people who were willing to follow him. You might be right. You might be right. Or Shane wasn't even taken by him by Rick. He was taken by him by Carl, right? So it's like, uh, yeah. If 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 Shane was like allowed to be ruthless to anyone outside of his in, like if there was no like in group division, if he had a setup like Negan or the governor, um, because I think he's smarter and saner than both of those. For guys. sure. Although that's the thing early on, like it's it was early on in zombie apocalypse. Like he might have gotten, you know, driven, been driven crazy like the governor and Negan. Yeah. But uh, I thought Shane had was had really strong like there. You could make an argument in certain points of the Walking Dead that maybe the group would have been better off under his leadership. Maybe less people would have died. Um, But then, you know, the time like he would have been a terrible leader for like the post time jump trying to unify all humanity. He wouldn't even undertake such the the idea of undertaking a project like that would be ridiculous to him. It's all downside, no upside. Mm -hmm. So but uh, I like Shane. I like Shane. Um, Shane's character, rather. Sanjin, just want to clear up a few things for you now that you're done with season nine. Um. Let's see. The tunnel that the kids in Hilltop used to get outside was actually not just a secret tunnel. I think the confusion was because Daryl, who hadn't been there in a few years, didn't know about it. At no point are the people from Hilltop shocked that that secret getaway is there. It's only Daryl, Henry, and new people that are surprised. That's why when Yumiko, Magna, and their group sneak out through it, we later find out they were immediately spotted by the guards at Hilltop, and Tara knew all about it. Now what I'm happened when tunnel- Henry snuck out? Where were the fucking guards in? Yeah, like, are the kids just better at sneaking out through the secret tunnel? <laughs> through the secret tunnel that everybody knows exactly where it is and has eyes on it at all times? I, hmm. Yeah, I, 
Suspect. I mean, I'm a, I'm accepting your I'm accepting your version of events here as true mm-hmm. because I you know probably missed a lot of fine details, but like I, I yeah I thought this was something that the kids like. What is the utility of a hidden tunnel? Like I get a, a tunnel that you would hide on the outside, um, yeah. and like if it's like a backdoor escape route, you know, like if you know people are at the gates and there's no way out, you send the the. Uh, the vulnerable populations through the tunnel and 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 cover, but like, what's the point of like hiding it on the the survivor side? You know, inside the walls. Yeah, uh, inside you would think you would want it locked up, right? Yeah, unless it's like you know, like you, you secret passage in a castle. But I always thought that was for like, you know, nobility. The yeah. 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 You don't tell the servants about all those. That's so you can you can sneak out of your bed chambers at night and. And uh, go get your freak on as a as a medieval leader, <laughs> huh, okay. whatever, whatever weird shit you get up to. Um, let's see. In the penultimate episode, an alpha kills the one whisper in their camp. It's not that she's letting off some steam or randomly killing anyone. It's because that one whisper just saw her crying over Lydia, which is a sign of weakness in their community. After all, they're just taught to give up their children if they become a burden, like that baby being left outside of Hilltop for zombies to eat. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, I um, missed that. I think it it also it didn't bother me that she just did that just to be fucking cruel and evil because that's kind of her character. But like, it does make sense that, um, yeah, she's hiding her weakness. Yeah. We try to make it super easy to support making podcasts at Bald Move. Just join the club. But some people aren't a joining type, or maybe they're already in the club but want to add a little bit of gratuity for an especially great season of coverage, or for a podcast that really spoke to them, or gave them that bit of support in a tough time. For these, and for whatever other reason you might have, our tip jar is always open. Head over to support.baldmove.com and click the donate option to say, hey, keep doing what you're doing. We appreciate it. Once again, check out support.baldmove.com for all the great ways to help me and Jim keep making the podcast you love. listening to quite a few bald move podcasts now but you're not in the club whoo boy you are missing out not only are all of our premium club podcast feeds completely ad free but we have lots of other great content exclusively for people in the club there's a weekly lunch with jim and aaron where we chat with fans about anything and everything from tv and films food fun life advice and more but there's also off the clock our premium podcast where we talk about all the shows we don't have time for on our public feeds Plus, you get access to our full spoiler-filled first-round movie reviews of our newly released films. Don't forget Instant Take and Talk Podcast, where we give our hot takes and discuss television shows with our fans live and immediately after the episode airs. With mega shows like House of the Dragon coming this summer, we're going to have lots to talk about. Not to mention access to our fun and friendly community of club members, with exclusive Discord channels and a dedicated forum. It's one of the best places on the internet to hang out and chat about pop culture. Bottom line, you're helping two regular type guys in the Midwest make the content you like to listen to, which some would say is reward unto itself. Help keep the lights on and the bits flowing at Bald Move. And get some awesome content for yourself. Head to support.baldmove.com to join the club today.
This is the next one's a red. This is a mind blowing. I got a lot of email on it. The redheaded grown up woman that you guys thought was flirting with Henry in the penultimate episode was just innocently saying hi to him. I'm guessing it's because they quickly wanted to establish her as someone that's at the fair and not because she wanted to get down to the teenage boy. Apparently, this was one of Negan's wives, like redhead curly, and I didn't recognize her in not black clock cocktail dresses, and she read like as a 17 year old to me. So. Uh, yeah, I thought maybe she wasn't flirting with him. It was just an innocent thing, but I didn't recognize her. Je- yeah, Jesus. I don't know why. I don't know why I got the the flirtation. It's just like I said. It just feels like, uh, yeah, Henry had Henry Henry was dripping that episode. Uh, he had they had to beat the girls off with that staff, not that staff, the the Morgan staff. Um. The real threat that the whispers uh, of the whispers now is not their people's numbers, but the massive herd that they command, which could tear apart all the communities. Mm-hmm. It's not as easy as going in and killing them if you can't be absolutely sure that you got them all in one swoop. Apparently, some of them are always down there with that herd and shifts and would pot- probably retaliate if you killed a bunch of their group. So it's like a mutual assured destruction kind of thing. Like if you do kill all the one, then the few remaining left will just send their herd to your direction. Um I, I'm still, I'm still not buying it. Like the, you're telling me that the humans with, with klaxons and fucking fire trucks and mega buses and motorcycles couldn't lure the walkers wherever they wanted, regardless of where a couple of shambler uh, whispers were trying to. That's lead a them? good question. Could like five whispers, if you had like a fire engine going a half mile right. away, or, would or they a be able to successfully? Alarm. Would they be able to successfully, um, you know, reroute the herd? I don't know because I I don't know what all tricks they use. I don't really know any of the tricks. Like I remember no. the zombie Bible that you're alluding to because we read that we poured uh, in some old episode of like there was a precursor to this show called Zombie Drill because we made right. one we made one run at trying to do this uh, in season one and it didn't work out and then we 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 learned a bunch of things covering what Breaking Bad and Mad Men we came back in season two. Um, and backfilled season one. But I remember going over that Bible and one of them was the assertion that like zombies have this herd mentality that, you know, um, one zombie walking over something and they're not doing anything but just stumbling around attracts the attention of two or three that start following it. And then they all kind of like in this herd instinct assume that they're heading towards some food or something interesting. So they start following them. Um, yeah. So it's not clear to me what mechanism you could do to overrun override that base instinct. But like, on the other hand, these people have been walking with the dead for years. Mm-hmm. Like maybe they got the equivalent of like uh, uh, a Ziploc baggie full of bacon that you use to win a dog's loyalty. Like maybe they have some fresh meat that they have in a bag that they can deploy and that smell, that immediate smell. The zombies can't pinpoint it. It's but it's there and they get excited about that and that distracts them from the loud like I it's like the opposite I, I guess, of guts. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I I guess I wouldn't rule out that they because they've are intimately connected to the zombies, they know more about redirection than Rick's well not Rick's, I guess Michonne's group does now. So like I guess I would buy it if they but on the other hand, um, you know, these guys have scopes on their rifles. I feel like you could also pick out the leaders pretty quick. Like to redirect zombies, I bet you have to expose yourself, and then I mean you'd have to be at the front of the pack, right? 
or yeah, something. And then as soon as you see the guys with the laces in the back of your head, pop, pop. Or if you see, as soon as you see a guy yeah. breaking off and trying to lead something or a gal, you, you pop them. And then, then you, you know, but, but this I, that's conversation the other thing is, here. Uh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, cause the other question I had is if the herd is at your gates and there's like a fence full of people, is there anything on earth that could redirect that zombie horde away? I don't know about that. Yeah, because it seems like, you know, they would like in a frenzy tear the place apart. What were you going to say? Uh, so this exact conversation is the one is the reason why I was so upset that they included that line. I think in the finale um, where they're just like, we have no idea how to fight the whisperers. We have zero idea because are mm-hmm. you telling me that they haven't sat down their leaders and had this fucking conversation? Like, how do we deal with the imminent threat that this poses? They've had months to do it, right? It's turned from yeah. a, a flurry to a fucking blizzard. They've had months to discuss this, months to strategize. Here we are shooting the shit for mm-hmm. two and a half minutes, and we've come up with right. like th- the baseline of a discussion around this. Come on, come on. So we've been uh, for a commission podcast, which is probably going to be out. We did uh, someone did a fan edit. I've been asking, you know, I've been saying many, many years, boy, it seems like there's a pretty good show underneath all this fat and bloat bullshit stretched out storylines. And someone took it up and and uh, condensed like the first 10 episodes of season three into about three and a half hours of television. Uh, by the time you're hearing this, you'll you'll hear that commission podcast. Um but there's some interesting things in that that governor arc. They had this guy that we called Poindexter um, that looked like John Ritter. Mm-hmm. And he was doing zombie science experiments. I'm actually kind of surprised that no other group, when they got large and established, started doing that. Because that's that's yeah. important work, right? For sure. Like figuring out exactly what triggers zombies. What is like, is their hearing stronger? Is their vision stronger? Is their smell stronger? Like knowing all that stuff could make a huge difference. And I, I think they're, you know, when, when you hear Eugene giving the names of the herds, like hurricane names, you're supposed to understand that they are kind of getting like trial and error and figuring some things out. And like Daryl has the time, the ticking time bomb uh, alarm that, but like I could have used a lot more of them just kind of like fucking with zombies, not in like a, yeah. use them as a scarecrow or forced labor kind of way, but just like, you know, what makes them tick. That's uh, that's how you get from tier three to tier two, Sadiq. Yeah, yeah. Take a note from Poindexter. Start doing some zombie science. Mm-hmm. I want to see some zombie science. Um. Okay. Do you have any more thoughts on that one, or should we move on? Now let's go. Because Tim Tier Four B <laughs> is back for for he's he's trying to make it to tier two and the feedback. We hired him for tier I know, is that three. Insulting? I don't know about this. We hired him for tier three. He's he wasn't happy at tier four. He's wanting him to work up to tier two. We'll see how he makes it. Yeah. Um. Okay. So he's writing uh, in the context of the calm before the penultimate episode. It was at the halfway point. I mentioned that there were several reasons I dropped out early in season ten. I realized all the things I enjoyed about the show no longer applied, and I wasn't sure why I was still watching. Observe. The fear that anyone can die in the episode, hell no. Even the heads on pikes doesn't redeem that laughable concept. The fear of missing out of being the only one not watching. (laughs) The audience is a tenth of what it was at its peak, so again, nope. 
The hope that the show will find a way to develop the tier fours into interesting characters. Fs across the board. Compelling writing and plotting. You've said all there is to say for this for the last nine seasons. And while season nine was better, it's not enough to get me back. The promise of a big, awesome battle episode. We never got with the saviors. So why would we now? The one I couldn't talk about till now. Can we can, can we oh. fixate on that one for a second? Um, yes. We're coming into the final two seasons of this show, and I don't know anything about season 10 other than it hasn't finished airing yet. They've got to do one more giant herd attack, right? Whether it's successful so. or unsuccessful, whether it drives them from Alexandria and destroys everything they built, or they successfully defend against it, they've got to do one more big one. Yeah, no, I think so. Okay. And I don't That's know if that happens. Maybe that happens in season 10. Because I'm thinking, like, it's the perfect time to do it with the Whisperers, right? I mean, it's the so it's the Whisperers' ultimate weapon. Do you want to see an ultimate weapon used? You know? Absolutely, and I'm, I'm thinking, I like, do. I do, but, like, I, when I think about fiction, as often as not, the, 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 the super weapon gets foiled before it's used, right? You know? It, like it, the, it's true. It's totally true, yeah. Like sometimes you'll see the Death Star blow up a minor planet, but when it's against a rebel base, it gets blown up right at its moment. So like it would yeah. entirely be possible. And I think about all the James Bonds, right? Mm. The, the villain never gets to use the ultimate weapon. You know, like uh, it, it, there might be a lesser like GoldenEye. Yeah. They use the GoldenEye device to, to wipe out some remote Soviet satellite sec, you know, yeah, uh, take out the evidence. station. But it doesn't, you know, Sean Bean doesn't get to bend the world over uh, uh, the oil barrel and, and give him the billion dollar fucking he's wanting to, right? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I think it would be entirely within the lore to just have the, 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 the herd threat fizzle or get used against them or something. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll be bummed. I'll be bummed if that's the case. Like, I want them to develop strategies to, uh, you know, neutralize the the uh herd rather than just have the herd never go off like if alpha gets killed and the and the beta and the rest just decide and it's not worth the, the skin wearing anymore that's gonna be pretty disappointing oh absolutely absolutely moving on to his final point the one that i couldn't talk about till now rest in peace tara not only was she my favorite The Walking Dead character, but she was possibly my second favorite TV character after Davos Seaworth. She was funny, cute, ballsy, and more than five seasons tenured. The fact that she was gay was kind of a bonus, but it was really just nice to see her have two separate love interests. Mostly, she was a totally minor and superfluous character, superfluous character, that I couldn't believe Glenn bothered to save, who turned into a huge contributor and number four billing in the credits. I don't think if Tara dies, we all riot t-shirts were a big seller, but I wore mine proudly and now she's gone. Hmm. Given her history on the show and the fact that she was the only Atlanta-based survivor on the Pikes, do you think they did right by uh, Tara's character with that death? Or was she an afterthought in Henry and Enid's moments? Yeah, I think it's a shame that she was uh, Piked in that episode. Because like we we talked about when that happened, um, she was just coming into her own again right with like th there was a lot of competency i saw there um essentially running the hilltop while jesus was having a, a crisis uh you know it, it, he was he was just totally sidelining himself so i yeah. felt like tara was running that place and i wanted to see more of that but yeah know, it's a shame no i uh I agree, but also the fact that she they had really built her character up and given her something to do made the death that much more shocking and impactful 
And with mm-hmm. of the nine pikes or however many, there weren't that. There's a lot of impactful deaths. Um, but like you start taking away like the Terra, if it was just like Henry, it 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 wouldn't it wouldn't work at all, right? So you had to spice it up with a few, and there's a couple that just are just untouchable. It's not gonna be Carol up there. It's not gonna be Daryl or Ezekiel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so then you gotta like, well, who is who is gonna really, you know, pain the audience to lose, and who we can lose, and who's probably got a contract coming up that's gonna get paid more. Um, and you know, Terra rolled Snake Eyes, so yeah. Other question, other than the three big Game of Thrones death episodes, the Winds of Winter, the Long Night, and the Bells, can you think of any other episode of TV that came even close to nine named character deaths? No. Um, yeah, I, I... I mean, it's a huge nine, number of deaths. There aren't a lot a of ensemble number. shows like this where you could kill nine people and it wouldn't be the entire show ending. Right, um, right. Yeah, no, I, those those are... Probably the exceptions. On the other hand, there, you know, um, I, I the, we're talking named characters. We're talking essentially three people. You know, yeah. everybody else was was kind of padded out. Who, I who's thought. the third? Henry, Henry, Tara, um, the blacksmith's wife, right? Okay, yeah. <laughs> there, I, I know there's some. I know there's somebody else that was. Um, oh, Enid, Enid, fuck yeah, Enid, of course, Enid, yeah, 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 yeah. So. Four solid. So, so what's that? Like uh, three solid B tiers and a three a, a tier three. You don't count Henry as a, a tier one uh, this season. Is he? I mean, this season he had a lot to do. I mean, he was by, one of the by major Tim's characters. own logic. I don't think he's like so tier tier one characters. I think Carol. Like, if you're a leader, well, okay. I mean, I guess that makes Tara a tier one character too. But like, if you're a leader of a community, you're de facto tier one, right? So yeah, that's yeah. King Ezekiel. It's it's uh, um, Carol, um, Michonne, obviously. Um, Daryl. I what is Daryl? Daryl's like just the honorary tier one because everyone loves him so much. And and Negan, you know, probably Negan, is tier one. Yeah, still. Negan. Negan's tier tier one. And then you start like I I, I feel like. Tara's Tara's wild because it does feel like she got promoted to tier one just to bump off Um, because she was solid tier one until this season, I think, or tier two until this season, I think. Yeah, I I feel like she didn't get enough time this season to really shine uh, to be tier Mm -hmm. one. But I I don't know. It depends on whether you think time is a a contributing factor because Henry got a lot of time. Uh, Tim concludes, despite my reasons above, I can't wait to dive back into season 10 with you guys. Even my wife finds you charming and she hates podcasts. Well, thank you, Tim, wow. Tim's wife. appreciate that. Uh, Zephyr has some more thoughts on character death. Says, being that you didn't have your ear to the ground behind the scenes when the episode aired, I thought I'd fill you in on the way they killed off Jesus' character in season 9. It's because it was becoming clear that Tom Payne, the actor who plays Jesus, was very frustrated that he was being underutilized. Tom Payne did a lot of training and stunt work preparation and anticipation for All Out War, but Gimple and the writers barely included him beyond being the new morgalizer of the group. The show was obviously much better under Kang, but it's still a shame that we lost another great character due to frustrations from the Gimple age. I always wonder if Carl, Rick, and Jesus would still be part of the cast if Kang had taken over a season or two early. I mean, you could also wonder if the show would still be on the air. Like, I, I do wonder sometimes if they had not 
fucking stretch out the governor arc for two plots, if they didn't stretch out Negan the three, if they just done the goddamn comic books, if we it, it would have been this surprise come like the fact that Walking Dead had the early lead, Game of Thrones surpra- surpa- uh, surpassed it, and then Game of Thrones shits the bed right as the Walking Dead is concluding with its most epic material, right? Mm-hmm. With all that's still killing off char- main cast characters and all that stuff. There's an alternate universe where Walk- Walking Dead and Game of Thrones both bow out after eight seasons, and The Walking Dead is remembered as this like seminal bravara walk, you know, zombie show, and The Game of Thrones was the woulda, coulda, shoulda, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I think that universe uh, is the one where Frank Darabont. Uh, stays on The Walking oh Dead and they God. give him the budget he needs to do the show right. I I can't even imagine Jesus. what that world looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm now I'm sad. Now I'm sad again. Yeah. Uh but uh Kang t- Kang's taking the sting out of it. Uh it said so it's just, she linked this lengthy Tom Payne interview and it does seem like um it was a pretty mutual thing. Like uh they wrote they wrote Jesus out because he was, you know, unhappy. But I on the other hand, like I don't know like I wonder if he didn't Tasha Yar himself because, of course, I don't know if he maybe Jesus's head is on the pike anyway. Um, maybe because they needed a shocking death. Right. But like it felt like they were willing to give him more stuff, making the leader promote him, do all this kind of different stuff. And, uh, you know, in this interesting relationship he had growing with Aaron, like that stuff I thought was like looking up for him mm-hmm. and a new showrunner. But I, I don't know. Maybe they made the decision. It seems like they made a mutual decision the season before, and then he got written out of the show. Uh, all right, Flutterby effect. I've been enjoying your recaps, especially since I did not enjoy season nine nearly as much as you seem to have, and it's nice to get a different perspective. Perhaps my sour feelings because I did not have a break between the seasons to help thin the blad the bad blood. Yeah. Anyway, it's been enjoyable to hear your sometimes accurate, sometimes bizarre speculations about <laughs> upcoming events. Um, hey, we were right on about that trade fair. Yeah. And before we get to the heavy top topic here, uh, I want to just pause for a minute and talk about like, did we go soft on The Walking Dead? Maybe, maybe. I I feel like objectively the writing is better this this season. Yes, I think so. I mean, we and noped out some... when the, the writing got to its worst, right? It was god awful in the yeah. last couple of seasons. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, but, but I, I do think, I think about this all the time. Like, you know, this is all subjective. Um, everyone has biases The the hell of biases is you, you can only at best be dimly aware of them and try to compensate for them. Um, but like, if I, I think about like a fair criticism of our, of our coverage of season nine is probably that you, we, we took two years off. So we put a bunch of distance between the really stupid shit and we only remember the good, the good times, you know, it's like, uh, you break up with a girlfriend or a boyfriend and you're, you know, two years have gone by and you see them on the street and you think, damn, they look nice. Uh, I'm going to try to get, get back with them. And it's all, it's a, the first couple of weeks. It's all great. And they don't show their ass or if you, you forgot all the reasons you broke up with them. And then maybe season 10 is going to be, ah, oh, shit. Yeah. I remember why I broke up with this, this crazy person. Angela K is um, going to start chewing her toenails. She's gonna start chewing her toenails, washing her feet in the sink, mm-hmm. kitchen sink. It's it's just gonna be it's gonna be gross all around. Um, and also, there wasn't a whole lot of competition as far as quality television. So, like, I remember some of the seasons I hated The Walking Dead the most are when we were watching like 
Fargo, you, you know, like we had the the triple header of like Game of Thrones and Fargo and then the fucking Walking Dead. Yeah. And the gulf between the quality of the shows and the productions and how much money they were willing to spend and the writing was just huge. And you didn't have that. Although I will say we were watching a lot of good, tel- you know, movies and television on, on off the clock and whatnot. So but but yeah, I'll, I'll cop to. Uh, I don't know if I've gone soft on The Walking Dead, but I, the thing is, it's not fake. I, I, I didn't like. Oh Jesus Christ, we're in the middle of COVID. And we only got one show. We better resurrect this show and suck it off because that's what people want to hear. I, 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 I fully expected to go in the season destroying it the same way we've been mm-hmm. thus far, and uh, the show just surprised me. So it's all genuine reaction. Um. You guys can play at home to see what biases you think led to that, but but that's that's my honest impression of it. Anyway, getting back to Flutterby, it just says, I can admit that Kang's stewardship has surpassed expectations, but I can see that there's one thing that has not changed for Walking Dead, and that is black characters continue to take the lion's share of physical abuse. It's jarring to me to observe the only major black female character on the series has been brutalized in ways that would be unacceptable to a broad audience if it were, say, Carol or Maggie. Hell, even Daryl just slid in after all the action of Scars like a cheap co-worker avoiding a lunch check. Uh, it's likely this observation has been amplified by recent events, but it only serves to highlight the fact that black women continue to fight for their humanity in a world that holds dangerous biases. I mean, in the year 2020, there are doctors practicing medicine that believe black people don't feel pain or at least have more limited ability to do so. With these notions in mind, I hope you can see why depictions of brutal beatings, stabbings, bludgeonings, and the like might feel differently to some. No, I... Yeah, I... If you have... um, if you have these uh, uh, experiences and and you're reading these things in the headlines and all that stuff, I totally get why this would hit differently, you know. And I I try to keep my you know my eyes open, my ears open to those types of experiences and, and the type of reading I do and the the entertainment I engage in. But you know, sometimes I because I what I thought when I was seeing this is like, wow, what amazing material they're handing Denai Guerrera, mm-hmm. you know. Like, she's able to show an amazing amount of range and strength and all that stuff. But, yeah, it was all through her just being fucking tortured. Yeah. So. No, that's um, fair. Yeah. On the whole, I do agree that the season has been enjoyable and the acting with a couple of expectations has provided a level of escapism sorely needed. However, for the reasons previously stated, I cannot continue to enjoy your cast in good conscience without bringing the matter up. Well, uh, like I said, I, 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 I totally understand where you're coming from. And uh, I hope things I I mean, it's the thing is, like, I would hope for better things for Michonne in the year in the years ahead. Um, but it's a walking dead. So probably not. Sure. Um, especially as she's taking a leadership role. Um, I don't know. It's weird because, like. Even if I think of Rick, it's like, what kind of abuse has Rick gone through? He lost his wife, you know. Um, there are a lot of the physical depredations they do to him in the comic books, like cut his arm off. Um, they skipped. So it's like, yeah, they don't even maim him. You know, he's spared the worst of that stuff too. So yeah. like, I, I, I think you, you, your, your, your point stands for sure. Uh, let's move on to the, the news segment. There's two people that have some thoughts on, um, this end of walking dead and the upcoming movie series and spins off. And I thought we could spend our last few minutes talking about that stuff. First up, Christos, the Greek, the heavy heart. I'm saddened to, 
inform you that uh, The Walking Dead is going to conclude with a season 10. It's as 24, or I'm sorry, conclude after season 10 with a 24 episode final season 11. You know, this came out in late August and they linked to the uh, article uh, outlining this plan. It's still not clear to me exactly how this will work out and, you know, when the filming will finish and when they'll have the season up. But um, I think it's probably time. Just, you know, even if Angela Kang has stabilized the show and made it good, like this, I don't think this is a show that can just go on forever and ever and ever. It's not like The Simpsons. Yeah, I mean, it does It does feel strangely like a zombie soap opera, um, and those things notoriously mm. go on for, you know, 40 years or whatever. Sure. Um, as long as people watch them. Yeah, but so one of the things we talked about... Um, in a podcast recently that I, I don't remember exactly which one is how the walkers have changed over the years. I, I think it's actually in the commission podcast we did because we went back and we watched season three and so much is different, right? Like how young the actors are, um, what the walkers look like. Uh, they're juicier sure. back then. Fresh, uh, ne- fresh, fresher. Yeah. Now they're all desiccated and, and you wonder at what point, like if they continue down that road, will walkers cease to be any kind of threat whatsoever and then what is this show right <laughs> like yeah. the walking dead without walkers i, I mean it be- it becomes you know the ultimate allegory right like the right. thing that they wanted to say from the beginning we are the walking dead you know uh but is that interesting is that fun is that exciting i i can't imagine it without walkers and that is coming soon if you continue this show so mm-hmm. i don't know yeah, I guess like because the zombies do eventually, and you're already seeing the signs. Like, there's some zombies uh, at the end of the season; they're so rotted that they can't. Like, you'd have to trip into their mouths before right. they could do anything. Um, and it's just going to get worse and worse as the summers and winters and freezing and thaws take their toll on on these flesh, you know, flesh and blood creatures. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. And then you know, since you had like ninety seven percent of humanity dying, you got this huge amount of like walkers. But if they rot into irrelevance, then you've got the the remaining three percent of humanity. That's, I mean, ha- yeah. How do you gin up fresh walkers? It's just it's just not. It's it's going to be this weird, just kind of post apocalyptic kind of thing. You know. Yeah, trying to keep um, this going it, for another ten years would be insane yeah it's like it's almost it turned into the stand the soap opera okay rather than the walking dead the soap opera you know minus uh-huh. the supernatural element so it's just you know boring apocalypse um <laughs> it's revolution is what it is and that got canceled after two seasons even yeah. with giancarlo esposito and then the thing with the spinoffs like um because that's the, the problem they're gonna have with the carol and daryl spinoff right like that's that's contemporary the walking dead so like you know, if you keep running into hordes and hordes and hordes of zombies, that doesn't make a lot of fucking sense. Um, And if they go back and do like prequels and, you know, like, oh, Walking Dead, uh, San Antonio, Walking Dead, Dublin, Walking Dead, Kiev. Like, is that exciting to see the exact same story? Just I mean, I it kind of is right. Like you it's it's a it's walking dead kiev definitely like i want to see the ukrainian version of this and i i want to see it without subtitles and all in ukrainian uh all, all in edition of uh walking dead <laughs> yeah i just i just want it so fucking artistic that i don't even need to know what they're saying but i get it uh because i mean it's like it's like saying like well how interesting is it to tell a story about people in space well it turns out it's really fucking interesting you can do it a hundred different times if people don't get bored with it so yeah 
But on the other hand, this particular palette, these particular creators, this particular production studio, I, I do think it's they've about run it into the ground. Um, but uh, I don't know. So that's about the final season. And Ashley has some thoughts on the the new spinoff and movie projects. Uh, they say, just to preface, this doesn't contain any spoilers for season nine or ten. Thank God, because I don't want to read them. It's pure speculation based on what we know about the movies and information that's either about the new spinoffs um, from Scott Gimple or Angela Kang. So there's a season, there's a teaser released for Rick the Rick movies about a year ago. It implies that the helicopter took him to Philadelphia. I'll include a link to it, but there's really nothing to gather from it other than that. And it's true. It's just a kind of badly animated helicopter going to a city skyline. I surmise is recognizably Philadelphia. Um, when when where whether Rick has been there for the full six to seven years, we don't know. It seems unlikely, but we've learned from Fear the Walking Dead and this third spinoff that there's a community called CRM. That's where the helicopters with the three rings are from. Scott Gimple has made it clear that they're not associated with the Commonwealth, where Maggie most likely is with Georgie. Um, again, this is just a guess. CRM is a faction made of three parts. One of them is in Omaha, Nebraska. That's where the spinoff show The World Beyond takes place, and they have roughly 9,000 people. There are walls, and it looks like to be set up at a college, but it's full of kids who grew up in the apocalypse and don't know the world before, nor are they familiar with what's outside. Insert eye roll. I was about to say, this seems this seems like a YA version of the Dome. Is this Zombie Dale? What is this? <laughs> like- yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Anyway, another part of the CRM is in Portland, it appears, based on the attached picture from the spinoff. I don't know whether it's in Portland in Maine, Ohio, Oregon, or someplace else, but that may be where Rick is. Or he could be at the third place, the Civil Republic. People are assuming that's in Philadelphia, but no one really knows for sure. It also seems like Julia Ormond, a.k.a. Marie Calve, I forget how to pronounce that last name, of Mad Men fame, um, was also... uh, she was the first knight, the Gwyn- Guinevere in First Night, right? That's her real claim to fame. I don't know. Did you see First Night? No. What the fuck? How did you escape seeing that movie with all of us back in the day? Anyway. I don't know. It's the one I confuse with The Knight's Tale every time, though. Ah. Um, anyway, Julia Ormond seems like the leader, or is at least one of the leaders of the CRM, so I thought that was cool, though I doubt I'll be watching it unless I'm extremely bored in October. Yeah, I just... I. The new shit I have to hear is like the best fucking thing. Exceeds all expectations. Amazingly good. Pushing zombie dramas to new to new heights before I would be interested in investing time in it. So so are are you suggesting that they're going to be doing not just new movies with Rick, but also potentially a Tie, season yeah. eleven that ties The Walking Dead to the Walking Walkers Beyond, whatever the fuck this is called, The World Beyond, and then mm-hmm. he's going to be in The World Beyond as well. No, I think it's more of like the world beyond is going to set up the universe that the movie that Rick appears in a year or two from now is going to. But I, but then the world beyond is going to happen without him. It's going to continue. It's going to be the world beyond Rick. Yeah, like I'm imagining. Um, I'm trying to think of like make an analogy, uh, and I can't. I really can't because this is because the thing is, is, I just don't think this is going to work. It's crazy. I really like uh, like the first Rick movie might make money, um, 
And if it's really, really good, it might. The, 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 but I just can't imagine. Like I think of other, like um, how successful, like X Files: Fight to Future was not a very successful movie hmm. at the height. Like this, this TV to movie stuff sometimes doesn't jump the way you think it would. Um, and all this just feels like they're not doing it because the stories are there to be told. They're doing it because they've got a franchise to prop up. Like taking right. Morgan and moving him over to another show is a move that you only do to bring people from your main show to your side show. Like that's right. why they did that entirely. Taking Rick yeah, and like, putting him in three movies and getting him in this crossover, the world beyond to move people from the show that's dying over to some show that might feel a little fresher to them. It's all, it's all just bullshit to make more money. It's, yeah, none yeah. of this feels necessary, and none of the, none of it feels good. But and it's like oh, I've seen it. I'm not a walking before, like, fan, so like 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 they move Worf from Star Trek: The Next Generation to Deep Space Nine and season three of Deep Space Nine because the next generation's wrapping up, and that's Chief fine. But like, yeah, it does seem like they're trying to cross, but they're just spreading the butter too thin across the toast. It feels like I think so. Um, when when largely the main core audience has kind of lost enthusiasm, moved on to other things anyway. Um, the other important piece I've gathered from the spinoff material is there's a scientist within the CRM community who's working on a cure. Okay, here hmm. we go. I believe that was confirmed at this year's Comic-Con. Maybe the A and B classification has to do with that. Maybe not. A lot of people thought A meant afterbite because we saw Jadis trying to set up Negan, Gabriel, and Rick to fight with walkers, and B would mean before bite in that case. But Angela Kang has said that's not that's not true at all she implied that jadis lied about rick being a b to get him in the helicopter and that was a favor to him so i imagine some trouble began when they found out that rick was more of an a than any a could be again what the fuck does that even mean yeah um but yeah there hasn't been a lot of information to come out and of course covid brought everything to a halt but if i had to guess the world beyond spinoff which is set to be only two seasons will lead right into the first rick movie so there you go it's a planned obsolescence thing. It's a it's the Sabo round that incl- that encloses the Rick movie uh, ordinance that will be discarded once those things get into the theaters. Um, but no, I appreciate I appreciate all the, the you you getting your hands around all that information and giving it to us. It's just like I wish I cared because <laughs> uh, you know I I, I want to see this show out for sure. And I might continue with Carol and Daryl, but like, I don't know. Like, cause here's the thing that I know is that none of the world beyond will be required watching to understand the Rick movie. Like that's basic movie making 101 is every sequel or spinoff has to stand on its own. You have to be able to explain stuff in like five or 10 minutes. The people are joining because making something, Making a spinoff of a spinoff of a spinoff that's ran for like 12 fucking years is like there's and putting that out in a theater. That's one of the reasons like X-Files doesn't do very well is because like, oh, an X-Files movie. I've heard about that show. Oh, I, I, I you know, I'd have to watch six seasons to even understand what's going on. I'm not going to go see it like mm-hmm. that is the default expectation. So they try to make it very, very easy to go to, to get into the universe. So like I bet I can just pop into a Rick episode one and understand it without needing to see two seasons of television um, probably the only thing i and hear if, I, if not then fuck them <laughs> <laughs> right uh the only thing i hear in this that even excites me a little bit is kind of what we talked about like is there a community working on a cure doing experiments uh that might be interesting like if the world beyond is going to have that in it 
Yeah, oh, no. and, uh, but I think I think they can sat they can scratch that edge of Georgie and the Commonwealth stuff. Like you know, that seems pretty cool. Like the, there's yeah. like maybe a functional city, not just like a town or village or like you know these little realms in the case of a kingdom, but like a a fully functional city with technology that can sustain helicopters and shit. You know, where the hell has that all been? Um, yeah. But I feel like yeah, they could do that. They could tell that story within The Walking Dead without making me watch two damn seasons and three movies and another mm-hmm. spinoff besides. So, but yeah, that is fortunately or unfortunately way where we are leaving The Walking Dead as we put it into hiatus uh, for the harsh Cincinnati uh, winter. Uh, we we plan to get it back, like we said at the top of the podcast, The Walking Dead late winter or early spring. Um, and, uh, unfortunately we're going to be able to have any of the fun, the new live stuff because we haven't caught up to it yet. Um, but yeah, uh, I hope you continue our rewatch to season 10 next year. Uh, if not there, we're doing a lot of cool stuff. We're wrapping up our coverage of Amazon's the boys. If you're a walking dead fan, I think you'd be highly entertained by the boys. Uh, we're watching Fargo, uh, which if you like a Coen brothers films, um, that's something that you might be interested in. Um, and, uh, we're going to be starting the Mandalorian, which is a huge show, lots of interest in, um, uh, we're going to start covering, uh, episode by episode coverage of the Mandalorian when it drops late October. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a couple things, uh, the, the checkout, uh, I would encourage you to subscribe to bald move pulp. If you want to keep up with what we're doing, kind of like on the pulpy action, science fiction, zombie side, fantasy side of the thing, uh, of our operation, um and uh you know uh, follow us on twitter at bald move if you want to keep up with what we're doing what we're releasing and uh uh or yeah at very at the very minimum keep subscribed to the walking dead the watching dead podcast feed because that's where all the new episodes are going to drop when we finally get back to it and you know we'll always have like a preview to kind of get the things warmed up so you'll have notice when we're going to start so um I really appreciate everyone that's uh, come along with us on this ride, this rewatch ride. It uh, exceeded my expectations as far as how many people were into it and uh, how many people were listening to it. Um, I'm glad that, you know, we were able to bring some some joy and excitement into a real summer bummer uh, that was 2020. And uh, hopefully we can do it again next year. But uh, until then, whenever we see you next, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim later.